Hello and welcome to Zero Net 50. I'm Jennifer Deloney and with me is Joel Stromberg. Hi, Joel. Hi, Jennifer. So as usual, there's a lot to keep tabs on in Washington this week, right? Oh, yes. It's been a very, very busy week here in Washington. Uh, it's bit crazy, actually, but um, the government is, is open again. Uh, nobody knows for how long. Uh, the president's State of the Union speech had predictable uh, reviews as Democrats hated it. The yep. Republicans thought it was brilliant. Um, and uh, people are using it as a pivot point, if you will. Um, on the one side, the Democrats in particular uh, have been saying a lot over the last few days about what he didn't say, which is obviously the environment and climate change. Um, it was also interesting, too, because the, the Democrats um, – did their rebuttal, and they had chosen uh, Stacey Abrams, who was the unsuccessful gubernatorial candidate in Georgia. Um, minority, a woman, uh, and uh, somebody that, I mean, that, that the, everybody's looking at as the future um, of the Democratic Party. She did take um, some pains to actually raise the environment, so that, that was a very good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, confirmation hearings on uh, for the for Wheeler at uh, EPA um, have begun, and uh, the president also nominated Bernhardt, who was Zinke's deputy, uh, to step into that role uh, on a permanent basis. I expect that both of those certainly will be approved. Um, on the House side, the head committees, the House Natural Resources Committee um, and Energy and Commerce had simultaneous uh, committee hearings this week. And it was the first time in nearly nine years for both of those committees that they actually talked about the environment, what the problem is and solutions might be, which is, which is very encouraging, actually. And, in fact, um, the Natural Resources Committee has indicated that this was just the first of what will be a month-long series uh, of climate change. And I guess the, the other thing is uh, those are the major those are the major things that are going on. I think that uh, there's only so much anybody can focus on. Right, right, absolutely. Well, it's interesting. I, I just want to go backwards in time a little bit to the week before this um, to a bill that was reintroduced by Ted Deutsch. He's the Democratic representative from Florida on January 24th, and it's called the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act. So this is a bill that was introduced last fall in the House and was sent to two committees, but it went no further. And it basically establishes a $15 per ton fee on carbon emissions that goes up by $10 per ton every year. And the revenues from the fee would be put into a fund, and then that uh, is given back to uh, American citizens in a monthly dividend payment. It's a lot like what we're seeing in Canada right now, except for they're paying out at tax time, so they get an annual payment. Um, They're technically calling this bill bipartisan because it has a group of Democrats supporting it and and then one Republican, that's Representative Francis Rooney from Florida. And I spoke with Flannery Winchester, who is the communications director for um, Citizens Climate Lobby, and that's the, that's the group behind the, the push for this bill. And she said that there are more Republicans waiting in the wings to support the bill. Uh, and CCL is basically doing what she said it does best. It's showing that there is support from constituents and representatives 
district uh, for the bill and then respectfully encouraging them to take that step to get behind it. So we could potentially see more Republicans step up and make it more more strong on the bipartisan side. Uh, but what was interesting was the Center for Biological Diversity, they immediately came out with a statement when the bill was introduced saying basically that the act is going to gut the Environmental Protection Agency's ability under the Clean Air Act to stop climate change. You know, that's, you know, very charged language from another group that's basically on the same side as the CCL. They also want to reduce emissions, but they think that it's not the right way to do it. And so essentially, yes, if the bill is signed into law, it would prevent the EPA from regulating CO2 for 10 years because CO2 is covered by the bill. But uh, Flannery said that's because they don't want to layer on policy, basically. The carbon policy proposed in this new bill is supposed to deliver the emissions regulations needed to meet those targets uh, that you know they, they think are necessary. Um, but she also said we have to recognize that there are no active regulations on carbon dioxide for its effects on the climate right now, so it's not like the bill is taking any regulations away. Uh, and the bill doesn't affect other regulations on pollutants. And, and it's important to stop and take a look at historically how we've gotten where we are today with this new bill being introduced again for a policy that CCL has been pushing for a while. If we look back to the clean power plan, we have to say, you know, where is it now? It's gutted. When the CPP was in full motion toward implementation, before it got stuck in the courts, the CCL argued that its proposal at that time for a carbon fee would be less prone to change in either the courts or a new president because it would be implemented by Congress, whereas the Clean Power Plan was put out through an executive direction under the, you know, the precedent set by Massachusetts v. EPA. So, again, looking where, where are we at right now, we have a new, a new president and no clean power plan, and the CCL is still trying to implement the carbon fee approach. So when people come out and say, oh, we don't have 10 years to cross our fingers and hope a carbon fee approach works instead of moving ahead on Obama-era policy, well, how many years have we lost since the CPP was introduced? It was put out by the EPA in 2014. That's half a decade right there. And it's been 12 years since Mass versus EPA. And, you know, basically my soapbox is we have the, uh, the Carbon Dividend Act has a piece written into it that says after 10 years, uh, if the market mechanisms haven't done what they're supposed to do and we've missed the emissions target, the EPA is required to regulate emissions. And that's stronger than what we have right now. Right now, the EPA has the ability to regulate, but Congress never said explicitly that it must regulate. So let's take a look at this week. And let me ask you this, Joel. Is the big resolution put out this week on the Green New Deal, quote, politics proof? Or is it maybe a bit of a political nightmare? Uh, the simple answer to that, is, Jennifer, is that uh, it's a 
political nightmare. Yeah. Um, but what you've just described also describes the size, uh, how the Republicans, the difference between Republicans and Democrats, for example. Republicans tend to want market incentives. They think that you, the, the, the way you achieve um, a better environment is by incentivizing industry somehow, um, whereas the Democrats believe in mandates. And it's very hard to, to meld those two together. Mm-hmm. In truth, the Clean Power Plan isn't dead. It's still actually in the courts. Um, what will happen, you know, the, the Trump administration has put in um, their affordable clean energy uh, alternative. And they should be finalizing that, at least finalizing in, in the final draft form uh, sometime this year. But it was, it's going to face just exactly what the Obama's Clean Power Plan faced, and that's mm-hmm. years in the court. Um, what's happening now, the, I have to admit, I, I was a bit surprised. I've been following the Green New Deal probably as much as anybody. And mm-hmm. the announcement yesterday, um, it, it kind of created a roller derby kind of scenario here where everybody's elbowing each other out of the way. Um, the Democratic candidates, for example, that have announced are all, uh, they're in favor of, of this kind of a comprehensive approach, for example. The Republicans, I mean, they're literally calling um, Ocasio-Cortez, um, they're kind of not saying much about Senator Markey, but they're, they're calling her a socialist, a communist. Um, it's, it's, it's inflamed. I mean, now we're not talking about just climate anymore. We're talking about um, what kind of a society are we talking about? Um, they promised, for example, that uh, they, they've indicated in the Green Power Plan that um, they want to phase out basically airplanes. Uh-huh. Mm. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and as you may imagine, I mean, Democratic Senator from Hawaii, um, Hirono, said, you know, basically she said, how am I going to get home if we don't have airplanes? <laughs> right. Okay. And so, I mean, now, I don't think, I mean, in, in truth, I don't think that the Green New Dealers, at least most of them, um, really are looking, I mean, are literally mean what, what it says. What, what they're trying to do is to, to provide a vision and to give some idea of just what's involved in trying to become uh, net neutral uh, with carbon. But now what we've got is, I mean, there was there was a Fox commentator, for example, um, who actually, I have the quote in front of me. He accused, oh, we have a society in which there are an awful lot of people who have no idea that Stalin, Hitler, Mao Zedong, all came to power promising the same kinds of things that Miss Ocasio-Cortez is promising. Mm. I mean, that seems to me to be a little over the top. That's a little rough. Well, and, and so the other thing that's happening in this is that yesterday they had this big announcement, and um, they caught Speaker Pelosi just coming out of the door. And initially she had indicated that she had indicated that this was asked about the Green New Deal. And she said, oh, um, the Green New Deal or whatever they're calling it now. And, and she kind of passed it off. Right. Um, and so all the Republicans are now saying, even the speaker doesn't agree with this sort of thing or take this seriously. 
mm-hmm. which isn't true. I mean, she right. takes the environment very seriously, mm-hmm. but she has a different idea of how to approach it. And, um, and she hasn't signed on to the carbon tax either. And right. so I think what's going to happen is that what I'm hoping will happen is that things will start to settle down, where the discussion is actually not, I mean, it's not only civil, um, but it's pointed at what the problem is, not what you think somebody's politics are. And mm-hmm. I also think that there is a faction within the party and, and a faction that's not quite in the party that really is probably towards the extreme on the left, just like the Tea Party was the extreme on the right. And whether or not the center is actually ever going to be able to get a word in edgewise is going to be an interesting development. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Democrats, I mean, with all the candidates now running for president, uh, at least for the nomination, um, on the Democratic side, people are going to start getting extreme. And mm-hmm. I think this is a danger uh, as far as wise policymaking is concerned. Mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, and there'll be other there'll be other conflicts as well. They, like you said, the the Green New Dealers, the Democrats in general, um, don't much care for uh, market based sorts of things because they think that it doesn't really solve the problem. One of the one of the the accusations will be on the carbon tax. Um, first of all, fifteen dollars is too low. But I think mm-hmm. that most estimates are indicating that forty dollars should be the bottom, um, and then start increasing. The other thing, too, is that, I mean, voters have, have turned this down. I mean, Washington's turned down, Washington State has turned down a carbon tax twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Governor Inslee, who's actually going to be running for president, he's, he's, he's a, he should be announcing shortly, has started writing about the fact that this is not a good way to go about it. Mm-hmm. And his proof was that he lost, I mean, they couldn't get, they couldn't get it across the finish line in Washington. Right. Um, and so... So, so the Republicans, I think, that CCL is talking about, I, I don't want to quibble about what their motivation is. Right. But if I were a Republican and I didn't want to, I wanted to sound like I cared about the environment, but wanted to take a low-risk uh, path, I'd say, sure, I'll sign on the carbon tax, because that's not going to pass either. Right. What we have right now is a whole series of propositions that are never going to get through the Congress, I guess. And that, which means that we're going to lose a couple of years here. You're absolutely right that um, we're way behind the curve. And even mm-hmm. if everybody agreed today to some solution, pick any one that you want. Right. It'll, at least, it'll be four years minimum before anything happens with it. By the time it gets to Congress and the bill gets written and, and, and people say, well, we need, we need this and I need something else and so and so something else, that's going to slow it down. And then there's going to be a national election in, what, 18 months? Mm-hmm. Um, and so everybody's going to kind of hold, hold their position. Yeah. Um, and then a new Congress is going to come in, possibly with a new president. Um, and then it usually takes, what, six to eight months with an efficient president um, to actually get rolling again. Mm-hmm. And that assumes that Congress is going to be cooperative as well. And so I think there's a danger in emphasizing 12 years. 
if you want to know the truth. I, I don't doubt that that's an accurate time period, mm-hmm. but from a scientific point of view. But politics is not scientific. And so this is going to kind of get dragged and dragged and dragged. If we don't begin to focus on solutions that people actually can kind of come around, then we're talking eight years out. And yeah. that seems to me to suggest that, you know, the only thing that's really going to motivate people is some kind of colossal crisis. And, mm-hmm. you know, how, how fast is anybody moving in those situations? Right. So, you know, what I'm hoping is that the, the various committees, instead of competing in public um, for, you know, who, who's got the sexier plan, that mm-hmm. they actually begin to look at all the aspects to vet them out, to have, um, to have the kind of hearings they had this week, for example, where, I mean, scientists actually came in and talked about the science of climate change. Mm-hmm. And the, the last four to six years, almost nine years, actually, if you take the Natural Resources Committee, what they've done is they've been trying to prove that the climate science is all wrong. Um, well, you know, get off that tick, folks, because mm-hmm. it's not all wrong. And I mean, we've got an increasing record of oil companies saying it's not wrong, of coal companies saying, you know, our future is is gone because nobody's going to be buying coal in it. You've got major companies in the tech age you know, saying we want to run entirely out of uh, out of renewables and things. So it's we've got the momentum if it can actually get organized under a constructive framework. And I just don't know that we're we're there yet. In fact, I rather think that we're not. And the Green Deal, for example, is saying, well, taxes are okay, carbon taxes are okay, but they're a very, very tiny portion of what we want. Mm-hmm. And so what's going to happen is that it's, we're losing fallback positions. I mean, if, if, the, if the, the concept of the Green New Deal uh, could have certainly captured um, popular attention and opinion, I mean, I don't remember anything that has actually garnered the kind of interest that this has, and probably this did until more of the details came out. Yeah, I thought you're much better off vague. You know, they kind of right, right. <laughs> read into what is you know they want, and then they would sit down with. It. And we're past that stage now, and I just don't think that. I know that they they talk about, but well, we've done it in World War II, um, and they did it in the Depression. All of which is true, but this isn't them. Mm-hmm. And those were actual crises that people could, they knew they, you know, that there were men and women selling apples on the street and um, unemployment was, was horrendous. And now, I mean, there are, under, there are underclasses within our society, but, but we're not at that level. There's, we're not at a level where everybody says, oh, yeah, I mean, we really, really, really have a problem. And you throw this into the mix with Medicare for all um, and, and all these other major cases, uh, major you know, problems and uh, proposed solutions, nobody's going to know where to start. It's yeah. going to become so uh, overloaded with major problems that people just sit down and say, I just can't deal with this. Um, and that's as true of our politicians as it is uh, of the average voter. 
Right. And well, let's be clear, the the resolution doesn't actually make any specific policy recommendations. It doesn't mention a carbon fee at all. As far as I recall, I, I read through it. Didn't right. see anything specific to that. You know, it mentions renewables, but you know, it's more of this framework. And like you said, a lot of emphasis on things other than climate issues. You know, there's the environmental justice side of it and the, the human factor. A lot of those things that just make it this big apple that no one knows where to how to how to bite oh, it. Well, that, that's right. And, and people, I mean, also have difficulty understanding why you would put some of these things into uh, an environmental or or, or climate um, legislation. And mm-hmm. you know, in fact, this isn't legislation. I mean, it's 40 pages or whatever it is of of a proposed resolution. Right. For which they don't have, they don't have the, the requisite number of sponsors for yet, and mm-hmm. that's going to be the next kind of test of things. Um, I think the other thing that's going to happen with this is that groups now um, we're, we're seeing this fallout. I mean, the Republicans are going to feel more com- confident in their in their right-leaning positions, um, and the Democrats, at least some Democrats, are going to feel more comfortable in the left leading, but a lot of the groups uh, like the Sunrise Movement, and I mean, I'm glad they're in the mix, but the problem is that everybody's talking about this kind of non-specific global resolution as a litmus test for whether or not somebody is going to, voters should be um, encouraged to vote for, you know, candidate A or candidate B. And mm-hmm. so I think one of the other problems that this could have is that if the more left-leaning groups stick to this kind of purity, then it'll split the Democratic Party. It'll split the party in the sense that um, voters may not show up at the polls. And mm. bigger turnouts have always um, served the Democrats better than the Republicans. And mm-hmm. When I say that, I'm, I mean, I'm an independent. I mean, that, let me say that right out. Mm-hmm. But the but the problem is that the Democrats are the only I mean, they're the only kids on the block at the moment that are actually talking about constructive um, solutions to climate change. And if we don't find a way to get the Republicans in, then this isn't this isn't going to happen on on that kind of a level. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I have trouble understanding how you how you put um, in this in the same piece of legislation that um, every building in the in the country has to be retrofitted with um, something that that regulates or or decreases uh, the the amount of emissions, and mm-hmm. it's the good thing of this. I think is that they really do have. I mean, they really put the vision out there, and right. I think that oftentimes we speak too narrowly. It's one of the it's one of the problems that the the carbon tax has is that well, yeah, I mean that that's going to help a lot, but first of all, climate change isn't just um, about carbon, I and mean, it's, it's about water pollution and and, mm-hmm. other, and arid lands and conservation and efficiency. So, it, from that regard, the Green New Deal is, is, is gives you the kind of vision. But I really think what they've created with this is they've created an argument where people are now thinking about they're, they're reading the wrong specifics into this. They're, 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 they're reading into this. Well, this can't possibly be done, um, and so let's right. move on to. Right. Else. There is that danger, a very big danger. It's too too big. It uh, it does this whole thing where you read it and then someone inside their head catastrophizes 
the yeah. process of getting to an end. And when we do that as humans, we just shut down. So well, we do. That's right. And yep. and what's what's happened too is that again, this is coming at a time. I mean, we talked about this in the last podcast. Mm-hmm. People are now actually the numbers are are increasing of um, people on from both sides of the aisle as to whether they believe that climate change is real. Right. The causes and consequences are in fact what the science community talks about. And you know, for years it, it's it, it's been described in such a way that it was too big, and so people did what exactly what we were just talking about. Well, now we're I mean they're they're pushing through this in a way that okay, um, I want you to think even bigger now. Well, they haven't completed the first step, so why take why tell them they have to take the sixth step if. if, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, it's big cosmic issues right. really do cause us all to just shut down because they're, they're frightening to think about, number one, and and they don't seem to have simple solutions. So, yeah. gradualness, there's something to be said for gradualness these days. Yes, yes. Well, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what their, what their next step is. You know, what's the next big hurrah with this and and where it goes, but um, let's just bring it back around, you know, to what was going on in Washington this week. Um, and and do you have any insight into what was going on with the select committee? Well, I do. And um, Pelosi had actually appointed the eight Democrats um, for the committee, mostly moderates. Um, and that was also a, an issue that the press had to talk about this week. This um, she did not appoint Ocasio Cortez to the uh, to the committee, and mm-hmm. so everyone is running around saying, "Well, you know, the speaker doesn't believe in what she's doing and what Ocasio Cortez is doing." And right. You know how the rumor mills go. Yeah. Well, I mean, the fact is that I mean, two weeks ago, I mean, I heard Ocasio Cortez say that you know she she wasn't she didn't need to be on the committee. That, mm-hmm. I mean, she she had other committee assignments and. And um, part of it, I think, is because she was somewhat disappointed that the committee wasn't a select. The select committee, in a sense, doesn't have the same stature that a standing mm-hmm. committee right. does. Right. Right. Um, she wants so more was, power than that. That's right. I mean, they can't. For example, the standing, the select committee doesn't have the power to um, push legislation through. Um, mm-hmm. They can talk about stuff, um, but they can't write the legislation. And they also don't have subpoena powers, which are which are real important um, mm-hmm. to a committee because you, you sometimes you get to compel people. I think the other, I think there are a couple of things that are going to happen that people should be watching. One is that um, there are a number of bills that have actually already been introduced that don't get much press because of the Green New Deal, and some mm-hmm. of that includes carbon sequestration, which actually is a bipartisan effort on the part of Republicans and Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, infrastructure is going to be a place where um, People are looking to see if if there'll be a bipartisan kind of a move. Um, and even I mean, Ocasio Cortez and 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 the, the the more radical environmentalists, you know, are saying, well, you know, there are a couple of places that we can work on. Infrastructure is one of them. So people should be looking at whether whether infrastructure is able to get that kind of bipartisan support. Number one, and number two. If it begins to include some environmental protections, 
Um, because if you remember, the, the, one of the first executive orders of Trump was to um, tell the government that it, the agencies, they didn't really have to do so much work on the uh, environmental impact statement. So we'll see if that happens. Mm-hmm. The other thing that people should be looking at is, in addition to Republicans and Democrats you know, fighting back and forth about market-based or mandates, um, we're also getting into a situation where oversight um, is going to be an issue. And Trump mentioned it in the State of the Union. And we talked about no legislation if there's an investigation. And, mm. uh, I mean, some, some series of rhyming words. Right. And the Democrats are saying, you know, we have an obligation to oversee the government. We're, we're all three, you know, we're, we're part of the three-branch system. And we're trying to do oversight and understand what's going on so that we can actually fulfill our duties. Well, if, they, if the committees, the Democrats in charge of the House committee, strike a good balance between oversight and actual substantive legislation, that's going to be, create a much better and conducive environment to actually doing environmental policy. But mm-hmm. if, this, if this gets off kilter, which it might because of the emotions running hotter today than they were on Thursday, for example, mm-hmm. then you can pretty well write the next 18 months of this Congress off. Right. Um, the other thing that people need to look at is what's going to happen with the continuing resolution. Mm-hmm. That um, there's no guarantee that they won't close that he won't close the government, and right. Um, right. most Republicans clearly are uncomfortable with that. And yet, by the same token, there's some Republican senators like Lindsey Graham mm-hmm. um, who seems to want to feed whatever it is that he thinks Trump needs fed. Um, right. And if, if Trump moves to close the government again, if, he, if he's not cooperative, if he will reach a compromise and support the Republicans in the uh, Joint Conference Committee, then all bets are off. I, that, that really will become just a, an absolute um, gang fight for the next 18 months. Right, absolutely. Well, I don't also want to lose sight of the the world stage. I, I did see headlines um, saying that Russia is now looking at um, the the process or the details for ratifying its participation in the Paris Agreement. So there's yeah. you know one more step there for one of the biggest polluters to to be signing yeah. on and and making that actual law. So you know the list is not complete yet, and those are always ticking through. <clears throat> so we want to keep an eye out there. All right. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And there are other governments out there like Brazil. Um, yep. That that are following the you know the quote unquote populist line and. Um, if too many of those countries do what Trump is doing, then it really does weaken the global effort. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for your insights today, Joel. As always, very interesting. You know, the game has begun, and um, there's nothing else that makes good spectators for it. Absolutely. All right. And also, thank you to our listeners for joining us for this episode of ZeroNet50. Uh, You can tweet us questions or comments at hashtag 0net50 and have a great day.